right, we're going to do things a little differently this morning. Um, I want to do a Bible reading before Brother Jeremy comes with our special. And so if you would, turn to the book of Jude, and we're going to read um, the book of Jude. This is going to be our, our text we're going, to, we're going to use today. We're going to do the book of Jude. And so I would like for us to go ahead and read the book. You can, get, you can say you got your Bible reading in today. You read a whole book of the Bible today. Isn't that going to be a blessing? So we're going to read the book of Jude. It's only 25 short verses. Um, and I want us to read through the whole thing and get the whole context, and then we'll preach um, out of Jude, verse 21. We all there? Right before Revelation, easy to find. If y'all are able and willing, um, why don't we stand in honor of the Word of God, and we'll read through these verses, and I won't have you stand again, and then Brother Jeremy will, will come. Look at verse number 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God, the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men, crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally is brute beasts, and those things they corrupt themselves. Verse 11. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They have ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gangsaying of Korah. These are spots in your feast of charity. When they, uh, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, Clouds they are without water, carried about winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them, of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers and complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouths speak great swelling words, having men's person and admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles and of our Lord, uh, of the, uh, before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last times who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. Verse 20. But beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. 
And of some, have compassion, make a difference. And of others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion both now and forever. And let's all say the last word of this, this book, amen. amen. All right, you may be seated, Brother Jeremy's going to come with our special. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love to me. The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. To God be the glory. To God be the glory, to God be the glory for the things he has done. With his blood he has saved me, with his power he has raised to God be the glory for the things he has done. Just let me live my life and let it be pleasing, Lord, to thee. And should I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. With his blood he has saved me, with his power he has raised me to God be the glory for the things he has done. Amen. We're going to take our text today from Jude, uh, verse number 21. Jude, verse 21. Let's start reading. Let's look at verse 17. We'll read verse 17. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. Look at verse 20. But beloved, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now notice this phrase. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Today we're going to preach on that subject of keeping yourselves uh, keeping yourself in the love of God. Uh, this book is about apostasy. Um, that's, a, that's sort of a big word, and I, I had to look it up. 
And so we looked it up in, uh, in, in Holman's Bible Dictionary, and this is what it said about it. It said, apostasy is the act of rebelling against, forsaking, abandoning, or falling away from what one has believed. Uh, apostasy, the, the Greek, it literally it, it means a falling away or a turning back, a rebellion against. And it has the idea of, of somebody that had professed uh, of believing one thing, and all of a sudden they've turned their back and they have apostatized. They have turned completely away uh, from that, from the faith, from whatever it is. And so this book was written about apostates, about apostasy. Um, I think we see that we're living in a time of apostasy. Uh, I I believe you see it in every area when we look around. Um, I look at our country, and, and, and I really look at our country and think, you know, we live in a time of apostasy when it comes to our country. It's almost like purposefully we want to go against the founding of principles of our country, uh, we, we want to go against uh, the, those philosophies that started our country, the Judeo-Christian philosophy and mentality that started our country, and we're, we're, we're apostate, purposefully turning away from it. Um, you see it in our families today, uh, in, in society. You see it in the family, don't you? Uh, what used to be considered a nuclear uh, family or a, 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 a biblical family, I guess you could say. Maybe that's the reason they're turning against it. Uh, is now looked on with disdain. It's almost like that is a wrong thing or a bad thing. Uh, the common, uh, the, 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 the current BLM movement actually has that in their statement, that they are against the nuclear family. Uh, one man, one woman with, with, the, with, the, with the children, a household, uh, the way that God ordained it, they're against that. And it's almost, uh, it's almost as if they've apostatized, purposefully turned against that. Um, and those are some ways that we see apostasy. But the main context and the main intent for, for this, this word, for apostasy, is about turning against the faith, turning away from the faith. And that's what we see happening here uh, in Jude, in the book of Jude. And I think we see that happening today in our churches. We see churches that no longer uh, believe the traditional uh, orthodox gospel uh, the, the, what the Bible teaches, they're turning purposefully away from that. Uh, and part of the reason, and, and I don't want to get into this because it's, it's, it, we don't want to get into it right now, but uh, they're trying to take a secular worldview and a biblical worldview and combine the two. And those two things are contrary one to another. They cannot be combined. And when we do that, we either must, one, uh, we must compromise in such a way that we, we no longer have it, or we must apostatize, we must turn away from the Bible teaching, the Bible truth. And so that's what this book is about. It's about this apostasy. And we're going to see a few things here. I'm going to quickly go over the people that fall away. So that's going to be our first thing. We're going to look at these people. Let's look through this book, and we'll look at the people. And then I want to get to our main point, which is how can we keep ourselves in the love of God. So this book was written by Jude. You see that there in verse number 1. He says he's a servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James. Uh, well, an interesting thing that was brought out about this in our FBI class, which I, I would suggest you get involved in, was that this was Jesus' half-brother, and yet he never claimed that. He wasn't trying to pull rank. He wasn't trying to say, hey, listen to me, I'm Jesus' brother. He said, I'm going to let the Holy Ghost speak for himself here. And this, he calls himself the servant of Jesus Christ. Oh, that we would all just seek to have that title, you know, to be the servant of Jesus Christ. He goes on, he calls him the sanctified of God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. He is saying, look, I am not trying to scare you out of your salvation here, 
by talking about these apostates, they were never saved. They were never born again. We'll see that here in a second. He says, because you, you're sanctified, you're set apart, you are preserved uh, by Jesus Christ. He goes on in verse 3 and gives the reason for writing. He says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, he had intended to write a nice, sweet book on the, the love of God and the salvation that, that came through Jesus Christ. Have any of you preachers ever decided you're going to preach a nice, sweet message and then about halfway through the Lord just sort of changed it? Do you ever have that happen to you? Well, that's sort of what happened to Jude here. He's starting off, I'm going to preach this nice, sweet message, but then he says this, but it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you. That word exhort you, it, 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 it's a military term. It's like a general calling people to arms. He's saying, look, get your armor ready. Get your swords out. It's time to go to battle. He says that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So he, these people that are, he's about to describe what's going on in verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares. It just happened gradually. That, that you allowed them in who were before ordained, uh, before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, you'll see that word throughout this whole book, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Who are these apostates? They're men that are taking the grace of God, what is intended uh, to, to, to cause us to live a holy life, what's intended to cause us to live a pure life, and they're turning into lasciviousness, that's immorality, and saying, hey, because I have liberty in Christ, I can do whatever I want. That's the, the modern uh, church. That's where they're going today. That's where they're headed today. It's towards this lasciviousness of whatever you want because of the grace of God. And they're denying the Lord God. Now, in verses 5 through 7, he gives us some examples of, of the judgment that comes on uh, these people. In verse, uh, verse number uh, 5 here, he says, I will therefore put you in remembrance. Uh, that uh, though you once knew this, that how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. He talks about how he brought all the people out of Egypt and, and, and brought the, 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 the plagues and brought them out and they could have gone into the promised land, but what did they do? They turned away. They turned back. They went into the wilderness. And what why did they do that? It was because of their unbelief. And, and because of their unbelief, they all were destroyed in that in that wilderness. Uh, then he talks about these angels that did not keep their first estate. Some people believe this is talking about the, the group of angels in, in Genesis chapter 6. Uh, but what, what the, the, the point of it is, is they were rebellious. They rebelled against God. And because of that, they're, they're cast in, and, and put into chains, uh, waiting on that last day of judgment. Uh, but so we see that it's unbelief and this rebellion. And then in verse number 7, we see the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. It says they gave themselves over to fornication and went after strange flesh and so we see they were destroyed because of that and so he gives us these examples of people that because of their unbelief they turned away uh, because um, of their rebellion they turned away because of, of their immorality they turned away from the faith and we see that happening all the time everywhere you look you see it happening uh, today uh, and they were destroyed because of it and in verse number seven he says and they are set forth for an example Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. He's saying, look at these people. Take notice. That's set forth. It's like a, a, like a, like a corpse that's set in front of you. It's like if you've if you gone by at a funeral. And it's a reminder that this is what happens to those that turn away from God. This is what happens to those 
that are apostatizing. Look at verse number 8. He goes on and describes them. In verses 8, 9, and 10, these people are prideful. They are arrogant. They show no respect. They're rebellious uh, to all authority in their life. We live in a day of rebellion. It, it, it's being promoted. It's being glamorized. You see a rioting in the streets. It's almost like if anybody tells me to do anything, I'm going to do the opposite. That's the attitude that we have and, and, and sadly, I'm, I'm, I hate to point this out, it, it's becoming very prevalent among Christians even. I don't want to go down this path too much because I, I, I in no way intend for any, I, I don't want to get political, I'm, I'm tired of politics. Uh, but a lot of Christians have sort of gotten that way about things, right? If the government tells me to do it, it must be bad, I ain't doing it, you know? It's rebellion. It's rebellion. It's a rebellious attitude. It's, it's a heart problem that we're having. Um, God has nothing good to say about rebellion. When God, God sets up authority in our life, every parent in here, I guarantee you, every parent in here thinks that your children ought not be rebellious against you, right? Amen. That's a God-given authority in your life. Children, you ought to obey your parents in the Lord. For This is right, right? Well, the same can be said about government. God has set that up. We should be obedient and submissive to government until it crosses the lines where it says it's better to obey God than man. Are you with me on that? You understand? Most of y'all don't seem like you're with me on that, but I, I, it, it is the Bible, okay? Well, it's even worse when it starts happening in the church. God has set up certain authority in the church. Your pastor is set up as an authority in the church, and we ought to be obedient and submissive to the God-given authority in our life uh, as long as they're following the Lord, we ought to be following them. Amen? Amen? All right. I just thought I'd cover that real quickly. I don't know if that was part of it, but anyway. They're rebellious. That's what these apostates are. They're rebellious people. Look at verse number 10. But they speak evil of those things which they know not. They're know-it-alls. And what they know naturally as brute beasts and those things, they corrupt themselves. They live like animals. Don't we have a world, when you look around, it's like the world's living like animals. I mean, what is going on in this world we're living in? It's apostasy. It's a turning away from the faith. It's a turning away from God. That's what's going on. Now look at verse number 11. Number 11, he gives illustrations of these false teachers, of what they're like, of their teaching. He says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. So he goes back to Genesis chapter 4, I believe it is, uh, where it talks about Cain and Abel. Remember the story of Cain and Abel. And Abel brought forth the, 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 the lamb, the, of his, uh, the blood, and, and he gave that sacrifice. But what did Cain do? Cain brought forth the works of his hands. And so this speaks about how they, uh, they were there um, for work salvation, a religious salvation. John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 12 talks about how Cain did it for the, work, uh, uh, the righteousness of his own hands there. And so these people believe that they can earn their salvation. That's apostasy. That's turning away from the Lord. That's religion. We have a, a, a whole world that's following religion instead of following a relationship with God. And that's apostasy. That's turning away from the faith. Notice the second thing. He says, and ran greedily after heir of Balaam for reward. Balaam was a prophet that was hired by Balak, the king of Moab, to curse the children of Israel. Do you remember that story? There's a lot about that story, but the most interesting part is his donkey talk to him. Remember that? Y'all know that the donkey talked in the Bible. Anyway, some of y'all don't know that. You ought to read this in, in Numbers sometime. I think it's Numbers 22. Um, but the donkey talked to him. Uh, and and he, he, he was hired 
to curse the children of Israel. Now he knew that God was on the children of Israel's side. And he told him, he said, look, I can't really do this. God's not going to allow me to do it. But they offered him more money and so he did it anyway, all right? That's what these apostates are doing. They're in it for the money. You look at these mega churches. You look at the way that these people live. Uh, you, you look at, you look at the, the, the materialism that's going on in the church today. Uh, and I say the church is in Christianity as a whole and, and, and the money that has been involved in that. And they're doing, it, um, they're doing it for worldly gain, for greed. That's what these apostates are doing. Now notice the last one. He says, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. Now this is, once again, what we just talked about. It's talking about rebellion. Y'all know the story of Kor, right? That, that's found in, in Numbers chapter 16. Uh, Moses was leading the people of Israel and his, 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 his brother Aaron were leading the people of Israel. And Korah, he's like, you know, well, why has Moses got all this authority? I think I ought to have some of this authority. Uh, why does everybody listen to Moses? Why don't they listen to me? And, and, and so they decided they were going to set up a match one day. They said, all right, uh, you, 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 you want you, uh, people to follow you? I want people to, uh, you know, we want to follow the Lord. Uh, Moses and Aaron were on one side and they were on the other. And you know what God did? You know how God, what God felt about, about rebellion? He says, all right, if you die the natural way, then you were right and I was wrong. But if you die a new way, then uh, I was right and you were wrong. Uh, and that's what Moses told them. You know how they died? The earth opened up and swallowed them. Anybody ever seen that happen? Nope, me either, right? It's a new way. That's what God thought of rebellion. And, and so that's what he says. These are the, these are, that's what these people do. Uh, they, 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 have an, uh, they have a work salvation. They have, they have greed. Uh, they have rebellious spirit. That's who they are. Now look at verse 12 and 13. It describes them here in very poetic language. Uh, verse 13 used to be one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and I had no idea what it meant. I just thought it was real pretty sounding, you know? And now that I know what it means, I think, man, that's a horrible verse. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I thought this was a cool verse when I was a teenager. I thought, that sounds cool. Uh, it, these are spots in your feast of charity. Uh, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. So what it is, they, they have this gathering. They would come together and, and they would feed each other, right? They would have, it's like our homecoming. When they, he's talking about these people are like, they, they would come together and have a, a potluck. And, and these are the people that come to the potluck and don't bring anything. All they care about, them, they're, they're selfish. They don't care about anybody but themselves. Now, if you come to our potlucks and you don't bring anything, please come. We want you to come. I'm not trying to say that, all right? They'd be taken the wrong way. We encourage visitors to come. God bless you. Um, we do. Uh, but there are people that come only concerned about themselves. That, uh, th these people, they claim to be pastors. They claim to be Christians. They claim to be those that are feeding everybody else. But they're selfish. That's all they care about is themselves. And they're probably the people that try and take leftovers home with them and they didn't bring a thing, right? <laughs> but they're selfish. They're greedy. Notice the next thing. It says there are clouds without water carried about of winds. It's like a farmer that's planted some crops and he looks out and he sees some clouds coming. You know he's excited about it because he's planted some seeds. I need some water. I need some rain because that's what's going to bring it. And they come and there, there's some noise in it. There's a wind that goes along with it. But there's no water that comes out. There's no rain. They're empty. There's a lot of talk. There's nothing there. It says that they're like, um, they're, they're like trees that are without fruit. Uh, it makes me think of Jesus when he went to that fig tree. Uh, as he, uh, in his last week, he went to the fig tree and, and he saw it and he was hungry and he went and he wanted some fruit. And there was lots of leaves, but there was no fruit in it. 
That's the way these guys are. There's nothing there. There's no substance there. And the, the Bible actually says they're twice dead. That they don't even have roots. They're not, they're not even real true Christians. But they're trying to proclaim all of this and there's nothing in them. Hey, don't follow these people. Hey, don't go away from the true Word of God that, that we need to follow. Don't follow these apostates. They're raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. There are a lot of noise, but there's nothing there. They're, I like this. They're wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. I thought that was pretty cool sounding when I was a kid. You know? it's talking about those shooting stars. Now, what do men chart their courses by when they're on the sea? Their GPS, right? I mean, I know we all have a GPS now. I'm sorry. What do they use to chart their course by? The stars. Now, wouldn't you be a fool to try and chart your course by a falling star? It looks real nice in the sky. It's pretty. But then all of a sudden, it's gone. It was there and it's gone. Hey, let me just tell you, that's the way these apostates are. Hey, they might try and catch your attention with their pretty prophecies. They might try and catch your attention with their prosperity gospel. They might try and catch your attention with all these things, but they're here and they're gone and they will be in the blackness of darkness forever. That's where they're headed. So don't follow them. Now notice these, what, what he has to say about them in verse 14 and 15. Talk about Enoch. He says he's going to come with ten thousands of his saints. I'm glad when the Lord comes back one day, I'm going to be right there along with him, aren't you? Now look at verse 15. To execute judgment upon all. And to convince all of their ungodly, uh, that are ungodly among them, of all their ungodly deeds, what they have ungodly committed, and all their hard speeches, what they ungodly sinners have spoken against them. What do you think he's trying to emphasize about these people in this verse? Anybody have an idea? They're ungodly. These people are ungodly. They come across with the pretense of religion. They try and, they try and sell it to you. That's what they're doing, really. They're selling you religion. But the Bible says that they are ungodly, and that one day God will execute judgment upon all of them. Don't be fooled by the apostates of this world. Now how are we going to know? Verse 16, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaks great swelling words, having men's person in admiration because of advantage. How are you going to know them? By their big mouths. That's how you'll know them. They'll let you know, all right, by their big mouths. They're always on TV. They're always proclaiming their own greatness and goodness. Uh, but they're apostates. We should stay away from them. So look at verse 18 and 19. It talks about them again. How that they told you there should be mockers. They mock, they, they mock traditional Orthodox Bible Christianity. They mock it. Um, they walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves. Now notice this. What, is their, what are they trying to do? They're trying to divide you. They're trying to pull you away from your local independent Baptist church. They're trying to get you out of that. They're divisive people. That's what they're doing. They're sensual having not the Spirit. They're unsaved. They're natural men. That's what the Bible is saying there. That, were, that are without the Spirit of God. That's who these people are. So they're divisive and they are lost. But what are we to do? This world has got a pull on all of us, doesn't it? How is it we can keep in the faith? How can we keep in the faith? How can we not be followers of, the, of these apostates? Well, the Bible gives us some, some ways. It gives us an answer to that. So let's look at the plan to keep from falling. The plan to keep from falling. Look at verse 17. He says, but beloved. 
Look at verse number 20. Been talking about these apostates for 17 verses, right? Uh, for 16 verses and then 18 and 19. Talk about these apostates. He says, but ye, beloved. Here's what he said. He said, it doesn't have to be that way with you. It's a turning point. Don't you like the turning points in Scripture? The, the, those conjunctions, those buts in the Scriptures where it's like, this is awful. This is horrible. This is what's happening. But it doesn't have to be that way with you. It can be different. He says, but ye. Hey, you don't have to go down that same path. You don't have to be like those unbelieving apostates. You don't have to be like that rebellious crowd. You don't have to follow that immoral society that you're living in. You can be different, but ye, beloved, be different. Do something different. But how do you do it? Look at verse 21. I think this is the key. He says, but ye. Um, Verse 20, but ye... Uh, beloved, building up yourselves in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Here's verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. This is the key. This is the key to the Christian life. This is the key to not falling away. This is the key to having joy in the Lord. This is the key to finding a life of purpose. This is the key, is to keep yourself in the love of God. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said this. He was asked, what is the great commandment? And what do he tell them? A lot of times we think, what is the great commandment? I mean, what, what do I need to do? What do I, what, you know, is it baptism? Is it, do I need to, to take the mass? I mean, what do I need to do? Uh, what is the great thing that I need to do? You know, and we're often, a lot of us are, are do people. We like to say, okay, you give me this, this, this. I can do that. Tell me. But what did he say? He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And that's what we're to do. We're to love God with all that is in us. The Apostle Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians. He's talking about, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, he says that we are constrained by the love of Jesus. That is what keeps us. His love for us and our love for Him, that constrains us. It'll keep us from falling away. Before you try to do anything, love God. That is the key to it. That is the key to all that we do, is we need to love God. Now, I want to explain something real quickly. We're not to try to keep our salvation. This word keep here, it's called keeping yourselves in the love of God. That our job is not to keep uh, our salvation. Verse number 24 says, Now to him that is able to keep you from falling. Uh, we, we aren't able to do that, but God is. God can keep our salvation. In verse number 1, it talks about we are preserved. In verse number 1, preserved in Jesus Christ. He's not trying to say that we're going to lose our salvation. God keeps that. We are kept by the power of God, uh, Peter said in, in Peter 1.5. Uh, so we don't have to keep our salvation. God does that, but we must keep ourselves in love with God. Have you ever, have you ever noticed that in your own life? Sometimes your love f- uh, fades for Him. Sometimes you get cold. Uh, sometimes you get backslidden. But we need to keep ourselves in love with God. Um, what is it going to keep us from following this apostate crowd? Is keeping ourselves in love with God. Now let me, he gives us a few ways that we can do that. Let me show you how we do that. How do we keep ourselves in love with God? Number one, let me give you four words, all right? I'll give you four words. Number one, remember. Remember. Look at verse number 17. We need to keep, and that word keep, it's, it's the idea of continually doing it. We have to keep doing it. So we need to keep remembering the word. But beloved, remember ye the words which are spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, the key to keeping yourself in the, in the love of God is remember the word of God. Hey, remember what you've been taught. 
Hey, remember, remember what you've learned. Remember what you've read. Uh, this will keep you in the love of God. They're going to try and tell you these other things. They're going to try and tell you this other way. But don't forget, we have the Word of God. Remember God's Word. Remember, remember what it says. Remember who said it to you. Hey, remember who's taught you the Word of God. Remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the words of His apostles. Hey, remember the words of your, of your pastor. Remember the words of your Sunday school teacher. They're going to come to you with this, trying to pull you away from the faith. But remember what you've been taught. Remember who taught you. Remember what it says. Remember what the Bible says about salvation. Hey, there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Hey, remember it's only by grace through faith. It's not by works that we do. Remember what God's Word says. That will keep you in love with Him. Hey, remember what it says about sin. Remember what it says about straying. Remember what it says about being sifted. Hey, the, the world's going to try and separate you from God. The world is going to try and sift you as wheat like Peter was sifted. But remember the warnings. Remember what God says. We've been going through the book of Proverbs on our Wednesday night crowd. i got a bunch of the guys here tonight, I'm, I'm, or this morning. I'm glad to see you. Uh, we've been going through the book of Proverbs, and time after time after time, there's warnings in the book of Proverbs, aren't there? And you know what I tell them? I was like, guys, we need, we need to figure out what this is talking about. We need to figure out how we can apply it to our lives. That's what, that's what we're trying to do. And so as we go through it, I want to remind them, hey, this is what you've learned. This is what you've heard. Don't go down that path. We, we, we just recently studied Romans chapter, or Proverbs chapter 5. The whole thing is on the strange woman. It's on the strange woman about being, about being brought down that trap into immorality. And I told the guys, remember that. You've been warned. Remember what you remember. Keep remembering the Word of God. This is what will keep you in love with God. Notice the next thing, verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. So number one is remember. Number two is build. Number two is build. Keep building on your faith. The idea here is of continually building, uh, building, continually growing, always moving forward in your Christian walk. William Burkett, uh, on his commentary on this, said this. He says, the best way for Christians not to be losers of what they have is to be laborers for what they want. Progress in, a progress in Christianity is the best means to preserve us from apostasy. If you are moving forward for the Lord, you're not going to be falling away. Does that make sense to you? And, and apostasy is falling away. So we need to be continually building, continually moving forward uh, for the Lord. We need to be building upon our most holy faith. And we need to be building upon that, that foundation. The Bible talks in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It says that we are to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Paul said it in Philippians. He said that I'm reaching forth. I'm pressing toward the mark. Hey, what will keep you from falling away is to keep going forward and keep pressing on and keep doing something for the Lord. I rarely, rarely, very rarely see people that are involved in the ministry uh, backslide and get out of church. It's those people that are just there. It's those people that aren't really building upon their faith. It's those people that aren't growing in the Lord or aren't pressing forward. Uh, that's who the devil's after, and that's who he, he'll get. Um, we need to be continually building upon the, the, the faith, our, our most holy faith. Uh, this foundation, what is this foundation that we're building upon? In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 11, it says that there's no other foundation that we can build upon except for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, this most holy faith, it's not talking about your religion. It's not talking about your church. It's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you building upon your relationship with Jesus Christ today? 
Uh, how do you do that? You do that through His Word. You do that through, through preaching. You do that through involvement in the church. You do that through uh, ministering. You do that through soul winning. Uh, we, we had a Sunday school lesson this morning. You do that through giving. You need to be building upon your most holy faith, building upon your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you can be building upon the wrong things, and it's not going to help you. You can be building upon the wrong things, and it's going to cause you to waste. It's going to cause you uh, uh, to tire and to eventually fall away. But if you're building upon your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not fall away. You need to be building upon that relationship with Jesus Christ uh, that you have. So remember, build, pray. That's our third one. Look at what it says. But ye beloved, building upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So we need to keep praying in the Holy Ghost. Hey, if we're going to, if we're going to stay uh, true, we're going to not fall away, we're not going to apostatize, we need to keep praying. It says praying in the Holy Ghost. It's that, the idea of continually praying. First uh, Thessalonians uh, 5.17, right? Pray without ceasing. Uh, prayer shows that we have a dependence upon God and not ourselves. Uh, if you are depending upon yourselves to live in this wicked world that we live in, think you can handle it, you are very much mistaken. We need God, don't we? We need, we need to continually be praying and depending upon Him. Uh, Corey Ten Boone, she had this quote, and I love it. Uh, you ought to write this down. If there's anything you write down, you ought to write this down, all right? She, said, she asked this question. She says, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Think about that a second. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Hey, is prayer what is guiding your life? Or is prayer what you, what you resort to when things go wrong? That's what, it, that's what it's supposed to be. We are to be praying uh, in the Holy Ghost. We need to realize it's God's power and not ours. R.A. Torrey said this. He's an evangelist, a revivalist. He says, we are too busy to pray, and so we are too busy to have power. We have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. Many services, but few conversions. Much machinery, but few results. Hey, we need to be praying. Uh, I think we have lost this, this matter of going to the Lord in prayer. Uh, we've started depending upon ourselves, and we need to learn to pray again uh, to keep us from apostatizing. Recently, we've been, we were studying the subject of, um, of prayer on our Wednesday night. Uh, and, and sometimes I, I have issues. Uh, y'all know me. Y'all know I have issues, right? I have issues. Uh, I get in my head sometimes. Um, and sometimes I can do that, even with prayer. Sometimes I can get too intellectual. I think about things too much. You ever think about things too much? And I think about, well, God knows this. Why do I need to pray? And sometimes I think, well, God's going to answer this. Why, you know? But it brought out a wonderful point the other day. You know one of the main reasons we pray is because it brings great glory to God. You know when I pray, and, 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 and God knows what I'm going to pray. God knows he's going to answer that. And whenever I can say, you know what, we prayed about this, and God did this. And you know what it does? It brings great glory to Him. And so we need to be praying. That's the purpose, the plan for our life is to glorify Him. And we do that through prayer and through answered prayer. And so if we're going to uh, stay, keep ourselves in love with God, we need to keep praying. Isn't, isn't it wonderful? <laughs> Doesn't it make you feel wonderful about God whenever you've prayed about something and He answers it? Isn't that awesome? Uh, don't you like it when people respond to you? Yeah. You, you ever feel like you're just talking, maybe it's a husband and wife thing, and, and, and you're talking, and they ain't got a clue what you're saying. And you, you, you know, they, you ever have that? How does that make you feel? 
I got, I got people staring at each other right now. This is awful. I've, I've started fights all across the auditorium. <laughs> That's what I've been telling you. <laughs> Does it make you feel very loved? But when we pray, when we speak to God and we, we, we see that response to our prayers and the answer to prayers, boy, it builds that love that we ought to have for Him. And so we ought to be praying. We ought to be praying each and every day, continually praying. And then notice the last thing here. Verse 21, he says, Keep yourselves in the love of God. And here's our fourth word, look. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. We need to keep continually looking. Looking to the Lord. We need to keep an eternal perspective. When we, get, when we get our eyes off of eternity, we get our eyes off the Lord, we start looking at, at, at the suffering, at the sorrow, at the circumstances, and we start looking at the materialism, the greed, that's what can pull us out. We get our eyes off of all these things, we'll be tempted to fall, we'll be tempted to fail, we'll be tempted to fall away. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17, I love this verse. Look at 1 John 2, 17. This is sort of my second um, life verse, I guess. I'm, you're supposed to only have one, but I like this one too. It says, in the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We need to have an eternal perspective. We need to see things for eternity's sake. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 19 talks about seeing those things which uh, are temporal versus seeing those things which are eternal. We need to keep looking. Hey, whenever we might be tempted to fall away, how are we going to keep ourselves in love with God? We need to see that there is an eternity uh, there, 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 there's an eternal perspective that we ought to have. Uh, let me show you some things he says we need to be looking for. All right, number one, we need to look for the Savior's second coming. Look at verse 21. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and eternal life. Let me tell you, Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. And we need to be looking for that. We need to be living for that. Hey, this world can get us caught up in all of the things that are going on, but what will keep us in love with God is knowing that Jesus is coming back one day. He's coming back for us. We shouldn't fall away. We shouldn't turn away from Him. We ought to love Him more. This will keep us in love with Him, knowing that He's coming back uh, for us. Titus chapter 2, look at those sometime. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, talking about the return of the Lord. Whenever we are looking and living for the Christ's return, all those other things will fade in significance. We will not be drawn away. We'll be drawn to the Lord because we're living for that day. Uh, another thing, looking for the Savior's second coming, we look for saints to salvage. Look at verse number 22. And if some have compassion, making a difference. I think he's talking about these people that are being pulled away by these apostates. I think he's talking about looking for these people that we can help, that we can make a difference in their life. What will keep you in love with God is, is not just being selfish and worrying about yourself, but uh, caring about others and, and living your life to help others. Um, you know, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 6, or chapter 6, verse 2, uh, Paul said like this. He, he says, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is it that's going to keep you in love with God? What's going to keep you in love with Jesus is having that compassion for others. Who do you know that you can encourage? Who do you know that's struggling? Who do you know that can you can help? Man, doesn't it just make you feel like you're useful? It makes you feel good whenever you're helping and having compassion for others. Uh, so we need to be looking for saints that we can salvage. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, talking about um, encouraging one another in chapter, 20, uh, in chapter 10, verse 25, it says that we are to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Doesn't that message need to be preached today? 
Uh, I know we're having to all come back, but this assembly is important. Aren't you glad that you're able to meet together uh, today and to encourage and help one another? But in verse 24, it says that we're to provoke one another to love and to good works. Hey, who is it you can help today? Who is it you can encourage today? This is what we need to be looking for. Are you looking for somebody to help? And then lastly here in verse 23, it says, And of others... Save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. So we need to be looking for the Savior coming and look for saints to salvage, and we look for souls to be saved. Hey, we need to be out there seeing who we can, uh, I think that others is talking about unsaved, who we can, we can share the gospel with, who can be saved. Um, that's, that, that'll be, well, we're looking for opportunities uh, to see souls saved. Hey, when's the last time you handed out a track? When's the last time you witnessed to somebody? Hey, when's the last time that you were able to share the gospel? Um, I, I'm excited about having our VBS coming up. One of the greatest outreach times that we have with children, evangelism. And we're able to share the gospel with them. You know what's going to keep you in, in love with God? Is sharing His love with others. Hey, think about that. The Bible, we don't like to think of this, but it says, and others save with fear. What does it say? Pulling them out of the fire. Do you realize there is a heaven? Aren't we happy for that? But do you realize there is a hell? There's a real fire that people will spend eternity in if they live a life and, uh, and, and die lost without God, without turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to be sharing that with others. That keeps you in love with Him. So we saw the people of the apostasy, the falling away. We saw the plan to keep us from falling away. Let me give you two quick things in closing. The power that keeps us. Verse 24, now to him that is able. Don't you like that? Let's just stop and think about that. Our God is able. I almost want to get out the, he's able, he's able. Do you know that one, Brother Jeremy? No, we won't do that one. He's got the motions and everything, right? But we serve an able God. Notice what he's able to do. What, what is going to keep us from falling? He is able to keep you from falling. Hey, we serve an able God. We don't have to face this world alone. It looks horrible. The apostasy is going all, all around us. But we have a God that's able. He's able to keep us from falling. He's able to present us faultless before the throne. Hey, man, I, I, I know I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm a failure. I mess up. But God one day is going to clean me all up. He's going to send me before God in heaven. And I will be faultless. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That one day He is able to present us faultless before the throne in the presence of His glory with exceeding Joy, He is in us uh, to share in His glory. One day we'll be able to see the glory of God and share in that. Hey, it won't be like this world. It won't be like this apostasy that's going on. We'll be in the very presence of God. So we see the power that is able to keep us from falling. And let's look at the purpose of us not falling. The last one, verse 25. So why is it we shouldn't fall? Sometimes I think we think for self-glory. We say, well, I did better than they did. Uh, sometimes I think it might be for self-praise or even for self-satisfaction. I made it, right? Sometimes I, uh, people might think, well, it's so that we can go to heaven. I don't have to go to that, that hell. And man, isn't that a wonderful thing that God is going to do for us? But what is the purpose of us not falling? It's His glory. Notice what it says. The purpose to the only wise God, our Savior. Hey, this is the purpose. The reason that God is going to keep us is for His glory. It says that He's the only wise God and our Savior. Let me just give you a quick point here. This speaks of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ in no uncertain terms. He is God and He is our Savior. Isn't that wonderful to know? To the only wise God, our Savior, notice this, 
be glory. You know why? You ought to live a life that's pleasing to God. Don't backslide. Don't apostatize. His glory. His glory. To Him be glory. That word glory, it means the sum total of all that God is and all that He does. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of God's glory. I want to bring glory to Him. And majesty, that word majesty, it means greatness. It, it, it shows the greatness of God. When you live a life that pleases Him, it shows His greatness. And only He is great, isn't that wonderful? And dominion and power. It means that He has the complete control and rule, and He has the right to use that power. Both now, you ought to have that right in your life. Let me ask you that real quick. Is, is He Lord of your life? Does He have dominion and power in your life? Do you allow that to take place in your life? Are you rebelling against that? Both now and ever. And what is the last word? Amen. May the Lord help us with this. We live in a world of apostasy. But you don't have to go down that path. God can keep us. Hey, remember His word. Build on your faith, pray, and look to Him. And He'll keep us in, his, in, lo in, in love with Him. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Our musicians are coming. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We'll have time of invitation. And God has spoke to us this morning about not falling away. It's time to respond to Him. I'm mean, here to say, Brother Jason, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm part of that sanctified, preserved group that God is going to keep till that day. Would you raise your hand? You know that you're saved. You know that you're born again. Wonderful. Amen. Put your hands down. I mean, say, Brother Jason, I'm honest. I'm not sure that I'm saved. I've never put my trust in Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to face those judgments that will be faced. I don't want to be one of those that will fall into that fire that you were talking about. Would you pray for me? Anybody here say, Brother Jason, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I've never been born again. Hey, listen, the Bible speaks very clearly on this. Even in this book of Jude, it spoke about that eternal damnation, that eternal fire that the lost will face, those apostates will face, but also those that just never believe will face. Would you raise your hand, anybody in here, not sure that you're saved? All right, here's next question, invitation. I'm going to say, Brother Jason, I want you to pray for me that I'll stay in love with God. Sometimes my love for Him has wavered a bit. Even now, even this time, these circumstances have got my eyes off the Lord and on other things, and my heart has maybe grown cold, not as warm to God as it needs to be. And I want to keep myself in love with God. I want to love Him more. That's my desire. Would you raise your hand, anybody in here? Many hands. I'll tell you what, we're gonna, Brother Jeremy's going to come. I'm going to have a word of prayer. Brother Jeremy's going to come. Would you come to this altar and let's pray? Hey, let's, let's warm our hearts to God. Let's, let's let God do a work in our lives. Hey, we talked about this prayer. Let's come and let's warm our hearts uh, with God this, this, this morning. Anybody? Dear Lord, we, you've seen these hands. God, all across this auditorium. God, we pray that you would keep us in love with you. Lord, our desire... Is, is to serve you, to love you, to bring glory to you. And God, our hearts sometimes grow weary. Lord, help us with this. Keep us in your love.